Hello, my name is Sam Clement, and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a picture house podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's show, today's mini edition of the podcast, we are talking Bob Marley, One Love, the new film from Ronaldo Marcus Green, who was in London for the premiere of this movie just a couple of days ago, and we sent along Frida Cooper to have a chat with him about making the film and really how you bring to life the story of Bob Marley, such a big presence in pop culture, and distill it down to one movie, one love, one movie. Right, here we go, over to Frida Cooper and director Ronaldo Marcus Green. Please enjoy. On December 3rd, 1976, would-be assassins invaded Bob Marley's home and attempted to take the life of the singer, his wife, in Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that thing. Cause every little thing gonna be alright. You like that one? Yeah. There's a war going on. Oh, I can't bring peace. I can't even get peace for myself. Rise up this morning. Smile with the rising sun. Well, congratulations on Bob Marley, One Love. The thing that struck me about it really was that even those who remember Bob Marley, as I've got to confess I do, are going to find it an eye-opener. Mm. There's things in there that, you know, most people probably wouldn't know or potentially would have forgotten. I wondered if for you this was a film that had actually taken some time to get off the ground because there's been documentaries about him, but I can't recall a dramatic film about him. Yeah, for sure. I'd heard it was they was in the works for twenty five plus years. I heard I heard names like Scorsese and uh, Oliver Stone filmmakers that I admire, so I, I was wondering how did they, <laughs> if they couldn't make it, how, how could I make it? And, uh, but yeah, it's a challenging movie to make. So, to how, so how did you? How did you manage to get it off the ground where, where they hadn't? The, the universe was on my side. You know, the universe, it was timing. I was in the edit, just coming out of the edit of King Richard. And the script, you know, the, fir- the r- first drafts had come to me. And, and I just thought, okay, well, if they have the music rights or if they have the family, maybe, maybe it's real. And that's what happened. Uh, Ziggy Marley was on my very first call, and I thought, okay, well, the family's involved. This is real. And they had the, the rights to Bob's music, um, which is everything. I mean, that's the spine of our film. Uh, but now how do we turn this into a movie? How do we make this not a documentary? Uh, Kevin McDonald did an amazing job with that doc, so wh- why is there a reason for our film to exist? And, and it was just trying to find the through line. What, what was it that we were trying to say and, and what part of Bob's life we were going to tackle? And the initial skeleton from uh, from uh, Terrence Winter and, and Frankie Flowers was great, but it you know it, it needed some work. We needed to find exactly the the right in and the right out of this film. And what you what you see that we settled on was 1976 to 1978. Uh, we chose a particular window into Bob's life to to hone in on, and, and I did that work primarily with Zach Balin, my collaborator on King Richard. And yeah, we went into deep research into Bob, read everything we could, listened to everything we could. Um, obviously, there's been 500 books written about Bob, so it's uh, whose truth is it? We have to try How to find you that. sift through all that material? You limit it to a window of from 1976 <laughs> <laughs> to 1978. Yeah, that I mean, helps. That, that helps. It helps. And I think that's the reality when there's so much story to tell. 
you can only do so much research. You can only dive so deep. And we did, we did as far as we could, you know, it's like training for, for free diving. You, 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 you train to hold your breath under the water for X amount of time and come up and yeah, we, we got to as far as we could in this process and, and, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that, that was what we did. So you mentioned the family. What was it like working with them? I mean, Rita and Ziggy particularly who play a significant part on screen as well as, as off screen. And particularly as they're people who, they're, they're not just family, but they've lived with his name and his legend for so long. Yeah, for sure. So, so it was amazing working with the family. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't have made the film if I didn't have their support. Similarly to King Richard, I had, or I had uh, Isha Price on set every day. Sister, she only made the nuances of the film so much richer. And and same thing here. Having Ziggy on set every day was a uh, was a gift to us. Uh, it also felt like we had an extension of Bob, his mannerisms, uh, the way he carries himself, his fire, his bite, his his regimen, his work ethic, honestly, just seeing Ziggy at 5 a.m. every morning, you're like a famous musician and you're showing up on set, and, you know, when we're showing up on set. And it was amazing to have sort of that big brother figure. And, you know, he's not a director, which is great. Uh, he just wanted to support the director. And I always felt like I had a true producer in Ziggy um, amongst our other producers, but I felt like we had real support. And, and, it, and it was primarily in making sure that we were going to be authentic. We were making a foreign language film with no subtitles. So language is a huge part of this movie. It's a huge part of this film and the accuracy patchwise a language onto itself. And so, you know, it was so important because if you, the, you know, the intonation and, and all the, 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 the dialect, the specificity of that language, one word or one sound takes it out and the general audience doesn't know that. And so, you know, we needed that level of, of, specifics when it came to the language to make sure that we were doing it right and it's it's a very strong patois how did you manage to get it onto the page so that the actors could sound convincing but the audience would still be able to understand it yeah the, the getting it on the page part was tough right because i'm writing in english zach's writing in english and you know that translation process was quite complicated and it was hard especially when as you know, and sometimes the writing process is constantly evolving. So a lot of script changes, those kind of things. So oftentimes we, we had, you know, there were professors in, in Jamaica that were translating it into Patois. And then, and then that translation was just sort of your, your, your baseline Patois. And then it was translating it into Bob speak. And that was part of Kingsley's job. And because otherwise he felt like he was you know, it was generic and I'm just doing sort of a, a, you know, it just, it was, it was false. And so we had to make it Bob. So how do we make it Bob specific? So, you know, how did Ziggy play a part in helping that? How did the other, you know, Jamaican Patois speakers who knew Bob say, oh, Bob would say it like this. And then that translation process, and then it'd have to go to the dialect coach and then it'd have to get translated phonetically so that Kingsley can read it and so there were several steps in the chain yeah. obviously sometimes the wheel could get clogged and that could be complicated <laughs> but um look that was the nature of this movie it just was it was tense it was intense um it needed to be because the bar was so high for who Bob is and what Bob represented and we all were demanding excellence of each other so yeah the the language definitely complicated the filmmaking process given given you know a non-native speaker taking on the lead role and and but he delivers he delivers such an amazing job you you don't um 
you don't think about the accent in, in, in that way because it feels natural to Bob. And I think that's what Kingsley did so well. He, he had channeled the essence of who Bob was and the language was the thing that, uh, you know, he was able to, you know, to, to use as a way into to, to Bob's psyche. And as well as the, the family, I believe a, a number of his friends were involved in, in making the film as well. Now, the events that we're seeing on the screen are sort of like 45 years or so away. And, you know, people's memories change, they fade, they alter over time. How could you be sure that you were getting what really happened? Well, look, we're, we are making a movie. And anytime you make a film, you're, you know, you have to take certain liberties in order to, you know, fit it into two hours. So there is the reality of the movie making process. What I'm trying to do is find the common denominators, right? So this person said this, this person said that. He is 75. He couldn't have been he couldn't have been driving her and in the room at the same time. So <laughs> somebody's not telling you the truth. <laughs> you become a detective. And 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 at some point you, you you have to say, okay, well, there are certain facts that happened between 1976 and 1978, and Bob was a public figure. So it becomes let's get all the facts right and then let's fill in the blanks where we need to fill in the blanks and then who are the people to help you fill in the blanks thankfully people that were there or were in the room rita marley was alive uh, during that time she was a band member so having access the kids were alive they knew where they were the night of strawberry hill when the police had to come and get them that story's real there's no way you forget that now yeah Maybe you were wearing red versus green. I mean, that happens, right? But but those are the details that matter the least. What matters is that, uh, you know, that we know for sure that these things happened. And, and yeah, of course, I think it was it was choosing the things that felt to be the most accurate portrayal of the man. You know, we were not trying to mimic Bob and we were trying to create the essence of what happened during that time. And, and that's what movie making is all about. And this, of course, is the second film in succession that you've done about a real person. What's the attraction of making biopics? I don't know. They keep coming to me. They keep chasing me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, look, I never set out to make a, a musical biopic. I never set out to make a biopic. It was not necessarily the genre that I grew up watching or anything like that. I think it's all about the story. It's all about the story, especially with the Williams, right? It, you've got two of the most unlikely, you know, people to to do it here you go these two girls from compton who become two of the greatest tennis players to ever do it same thing here bob marley homeless poor uh streets of Trenchtown, not supposed to become you know one of the greatest musicians to ever do it just the story is incredible so it, yeah it just was it, the stories are what drive me to the film and and because i wasn't necessarily your, your musical biopic guy i thought i could come at it a little differently it was an opportunity for me you know maybe i can come in through the side door not the front door i was thinking about films like black orpheus and amoros pedos and and city of god like these are the kind of films that i was thinking about when i was thinking about how do we make a how do we make a movie like this that feels that authentic, that feels that real, that doesn't feel like a musical, you know, it doesn't feel like we just pop into song for no reason, that the songs are born out of the story that we're trying to tell. So it was an opportunity for me, a challenge for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I took on the challenge. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before. 
so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. There's always an element of responsibility to get it right when you're making a film about a, a real person. Now, of course, King Richard was about somebody who's still with us. Bob Marley died when he was 36, in the same year that you were born, mm. coincidentally. Does the fact that you're making a film about somebody who's no longer with us and has such a legend attached to them increase the pressure on you as a director and indeed as a writer as well? I think Bob Marley in particular increases the pressure because, you know, Bob Marley is your musician's, your favorite musician's favorite musician. You know, the bar is so high. He's the guy, I think I had read somewhere, you know, argue, I think next to Jesus Christ, the most recognizable face on the planet. He's, he's held in such high regard. It's like a deity. He's, 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 he's someone you don't want to touch. And so, you know, yeah, there's a pressure. There's a pressure in messing with somebody that you're not supposed to mess with. He's perfect. So how do you mess with perfect? You can't get to that. The, the bar is so high. So, yeah, there's a pressure in that. Absolutely. But then, but then there's like, they're going to make this movie. They were going to make the movie. So it was like, well, they're going to make the movie. We should at least try to make the movie right. And why not me? You know, I'm going to try to handle it with care. I'm going to come at it with passion. I'm going to come at it with a, an integrity. I'm going to try to find the man behind the myth, the legend. Like, I'm going to try to humanize him and his family. So just knowing that, I thought, well, if I wanted to go to that movie, I want it to be handled in the way that hopefully it would have that kind of passion and care put into it. And so, I, yeah, that was part of the challenge of making the movie and trying to come close to honoring his legacy that this film is a celebration of bob's life that's what it's about it's about uh, you know the next generation of kids that don't know bob marley's music and so uh yeah that's that's that was that was the challenge of this film and you, you mentioned the way he's regarded i mean the one place where that's going to be incredibly powerful of course is jamaica mm. where you filmed you shot some of the the film how did the Jamaican people feel about you? Uh, we did all right. No, they, they, you know, look, I think, I think we passed the test. Uh, that's how I would put it, you know, uh, and it was a big test. It was a big test. I think he's, he's their hero, local hero. Yeah. So it, it, it certainly felt like we, we did something right. You come out of the theater, you hear the sniffles, you hear the, you hear the, the feeling that we captured something that was real, that was meaningful to them. I felt that. I felt that energy. I felt like respect. I felt respect from the Jamaican people. And, and it's what it's it's what we gave them and it's what they gave us in return. And, and um, I appreciated their trust. They wanted this movie to be successful. They, did, they don't want this movie to fail. And uh, yeah, we feel just very blessed and to have had their support. So yeah, I think I think they think it's all right, you know, which is good. <laughs> all right is excellent. Yes, yeah, I had a feeling, you know, that sort of understatement. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and how important was it to have Jamaican actors in the cast? Oh, it was everything. That that adds to the authenticity of the film. I mean, and that starts obviously with Lashana Lynch. All of the the younger Bobs in the film are are Jamaican. All the younger. And whether it's British Jamaican, Jamaican, but Jamaican descent, and um, 
surrounding Kingsley with a full Jamaican cast. I mean, all the whalers, minus minus maybe Tosin Cole, you know, uh, our, our Jamaican cast. And so it was important. And not, not only just Jamaican cast, but also real musicians. Uh, we have real musician, real offspring playing in the film, which is incredible. You have family man Barrett's son playing him. You have uh, Junior Marvin's son playing him. So uh, kudos to those to those gentlemen that had never acted before. This is their opportunity to bring their fa- their own father's legacies mm-hmm. to light, and th- and that was amazing to see. and And it was great because every day on set was a concert. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I call cut, they're they're still jamming out, yeah. and it's like it was. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really special way to make a film because then, you know, Kingsley was never in an artificial environment. Every environment he went into was real. He was playing with real musicians. He was speaking real patois. And so he can practice. It's like being fully immersed. You know, when you go to a... May I, my, my Italian is rudimentary, but when I go there and I'm immersed and I'm living, then maybe after a drink or two, it starts to come out naturally. I think similarly you for Kingsley. You feel Kingsley, you can speak it even you though you can You feel like you could speak it, <laughs> exactly. And I think just giving him that confidence allows him to settle, allows him to relax. And, and it's obviously up to us, us to capture that, those moments where he was able to relax and, 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 and be in himself. And, and boy, does he deliver a tremendous performance. And yeah, kudos to him. Took you about a year to find your Bob Marley, though, didn't it? Yeah, uh, roughly, but maybe even over. Um, and we were coming to the end. You know, the rights were lapsing, and I just didn't think it was going to be possible. And then, sure enough, his Kingsley's tape shows up in my inbox, and I'm like, "Who's this guy? <laughs> Who's this guy?" And it was so different. You know, even where he sat, you know, even where he put the the camera, he was, you know, he placed the camera really strategically. He was three quarter profile, so I was leaning in and I'm looking at him. I said, "Okay, this guy's handsome. He's." intelligent he's smart he's charismatic he's got the it factor he's definitely a really good actor and that's what i was looking for uh, you know of course it would have been helpful if he was a singer and a dancer and all those other things but it was the least no it? he's not it was but it was the least of my concern it really was because you can act those things good actors can perform we had bob's voice in the in in the in the i knew that it was going to be bob's voice i needed someone to act bob's voice and that comes from the emotion of where he was singing from. And if you get a good actor um, who's going to do the homework like Kingsley did, I mean, boy, did he do homework. He did extra credit times 10. I mean, he really, really, really went in um, and created a version of Bob, which surprised me. It surprised everybody just how deep one could go and, and deliver. And so, yeah, he really elevated everybody in the film. It was quite special to see what he was able to achieve. So how much do you think that the film is going to give us something of a, a revival of Bob Marley's music? I mean, I was sat having a coffee yesterday and Don't Worry was on in yeah. the background. <laughs> well, look, I, th- I, I hope, you know, if we've done something right, you, you go out of the theater and you, you, you download every Bob Marley song that ever existed because you, 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 you're either reminded of the songs you love or you hadn't heard that track in a long time and you want to hear it. And I think what the film did for me was bring me closer to the music, to the lyrics. I'd heard Bob Marley songs hundreds and thousands of times before, but almost never heard it. Almost never heard it before because I didn't really dissect the lyrics. I didn't, I didn't, I just was, ah, these are great melodies. I knew the words, but really didn't know the words. And part of this film was kind of, it's kind of like a, digging a little deeper into what those lyrics meant, where they came from, what he was singing for, where he was singing from, 
and I think it kind of slows it down for me. So I, I, I could, I can digest the lyrics in a way. And so, yeah, I, I have a new found appreciation. Plus when he made that music, it didn't have the soundtracks that we have today. We didn't, it didn't have five, one, it didn't have seven, one. So now you're going into a theater. It's an entirely new experience to experience his music in that way. You're in, enveloped in, in, in the sound. You hear the instrumentation, you hear the frequency, you hear the vocals. It's, it's powerful. So, I mean, hearing it in the theater is probably the best way to hear the, hear his songs. So it's, a, it's an incredible gift to us, which he, which he left us. One final question, bit of a cheeky one, so you'll forgive me. But you have had one actor already win the Best Actor Oscar. Any tips for this year? Who do you think is going to take it? I mean, <laughs> it's so early in the year. Look, we, we certainly put our best foot forward and I think Kingsley and Lashana both deliver A plus performances. So, you know, they did everything that they needed to do to be considered. Uh, I don't care against what film that they go against. They they did everything they could and so I'm rooting for them for sure. <laughs> They've got my vote and uh, and I haven't even seen anything else yet. So, yeah, kudos to them. I think they're so deserving of everything that's going to come to them. So, let's see. I'm I'm also really excited to see other films this year. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.